Hello again and welcome back to the Song Uncovered podcast with us, Archie and Izzy from Ferris and Sylvester. In our series, we're going to be interviewing some of our favourite artists and songwriters about a particular song that we love of theirs that has influenced us in some way. We want these episodes to be an open conversation, artist to artist, and hopefully we'll uncover the detail and devotion that goes into writing some of these amazing songs. At the end of each episode, we'll be tackling the chosen song of the podcast ourselves and attempting to do it justice. Brought to you together with the Americana Music Association UK, a community that celebrates all strands of Americana and roots music in the UK and across the pond. We're so excited to welcome our next guests. We've been fans of theirs for years and we were lucky enough to talk through their upcoming album with them. Please welcome Will and Nick from Flight with their brand new single, Under the Skin. I first saw Flight years ago at a place called Spiritual Bar in Camden. They came off the tiny stage and um, sang all in a circle together with just a guitar and their harmonies were magical. We've been following their career ever since and their debut album, The Loved Ones, is one of our favourites in our record collection. And their new album, This Is Really Going To Hurt, is coming out later this year. Welcome to the show, Will and Nick. Hi, you guys. How are you doing? Yes. How are you? Good. Can you hear us? We can hear you well. How are you guys doing? Where are you? My flat, yeah, in London. It's nice to see you guys. Um, so we have Maybe. met once or twice. We definitely met in uh, Brixton. Electric like, Brixton. Yeah. Yes. And, and yeah, my prime, jazz bar. Exactly. My, I was about to say my prime memory of that was after the show had finished and we went to that jazz club afterwards. Also, you guys, I vaguely remember, um, it was like, I, Arsh and Izzy live down the road. They'll know where to go on a Monday <laughs> night or whatever it was at midnight in Brixton. We were like... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we know we know where to go. And yeah, it just so happens we found that great little jazz club. The players were amazing. I find, I find that maybe this is because we're in the spirit of adventure when we're there. But when we're in America, there's always the kind of little bar you go to and you just walk in. Yes. And there's just this incredible American, depending on what state you're in, but sort of rootsy music being performed in the corner and it's amazing like the standard of playing is just blows your mind yeah right. and then you play the next night and just there's nothing there and it's like, yeah. it never happened yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> when you're touring and you're moving around a lot you just have to kind of like yeah. think on your feet and then you just end up you're searching for adventure when you're on tour and when you're yeah. in whatever city you live in or wherever you live you're not you're not doing that we're, we're looking at the world with tour goggles Tour Tour goggles, I like that expression. We certainly are. We were in Nashville and um, yeah, and you walk down the high street there and every every bar that you walk into is is a guitarist that's way better than I'll ever be. And it's actually, (laughs) it kind of puts you in your place a little bit. And they just sort of turn up with a little Fender Champ and put it on a stool or something. And then they're just rocking a Telecaster and you're going, wow. Yeah, I remember that. It feels like a constant battle of the bands, doesn't it? It brings me back to like going into those guitar shops early on as like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, sort of, you know, gazing at guitars that you can't afford yet. And... (laughs) And you go in and you pick up the guitar and you play your most impressive thing. And I think I probably peaked as a guitarist, technically speaking, at about 14. And it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> what, was your, what was your piece? What did you go into a uh, guitar shop and, and rock oh, out? I mean, I had a couple of options. 
early on, I'd figured out how to play Blackbird. So if it was an acoustic, mm-hmm. I'd like play Blackbird, which sort of mm-hmm. felt technically impressive at the time. Yeah. That's so classic. <laughs> that is what every book yeah. you're like. Oh, Stairway to Heaven as well. That's the other well, one. That was, that was, yeah. I, I, did re- I did know even that, at that age that that wasn't allowed. Yeah, it's like Wayne's World made that not a thing that you're allowed <laughs> In one yeah. show, that they sell those, uh, they sell a Loudens in one show. I remember going in years and years ago and picking up Loudon and going, "Oh my god, this guitar feels incredible!" And yeah, probably doing something like that, busting out my my best finger style and going, "Anyone listening?" <laughs> <laughs> so grateful to have you guys on on our podcast and thank you so much for coming on and we've actually listened a few times now i hope you don't yeah thank you so much for sending it through in in full that was really really generous it's so exciting and we're you know really grateful to have a sneak peek but um yeah so under the skin which is going to be oh well by the time this comes out you have just released under the skin and it's a fantastic track how did the idea for the for the track come about uh, well, it was one. It was one in a long series of of just songs about my breakup. We realised sort of towards the end of making it that we'd touched on almost every sort of separate emotion that someone might have after a breakup. You know that kind of Star Wars thing. The sort of first there comes anger, then there comes envy, then there comes then the dark side. Yeah, exactly. But not, not Star Wars, just just, uh, just real life. So, you know, it sort of starts with Easy Tiger and it's, you know, that's a funny way to to, to open an album in a way it's very sombre and it's very sort of strange in, insular song about jealousy and just this very, very sad, miserable song. Um, but, the, but the reason we had to go at the front was because you've got these sort of it starts right there, which is, let's say, just as this breakup has happened and the songs evolve slowly so that, and I don't know if you picked up on this, but, but, but as, this, as the album continues and as you, certainly as you get into the second half, it start, the sun's slowly starting to come out. Yeah. And we're starting to smile again and the music's starting to smile again and, we're, and the performances are more, Hopefully. maybe a bit, all, hope, a little yeah. bit more rambunctious there, I'd say. <laughs> um, and we're getting a bit looser and we're, play, we're having more fun. And Under the Skin was the song that fitted quite close to the beginning as a really dramatic, angry, dark moment, you know, in that emotional ladder, if you will. Do you feel like you knew what you were doing when you were writing the album as a whole? You say it tells a story, and it really does mm. from, from start to finish. Did you notice that you were doing that in your writing, or were you just writing what you I felt? Think, I think, like, with every creative process, you, you realise what you're doing as you're doing it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we, we set out with, like, a complete, like, this is going to be mapped out like this. But it's just, yeah. when it starts falling into place, it's sort of the decisions start getting made for you, don't they? It's like, oh, this is making sense of this song. And suddenly, actually, it gives the song more meaning than you kind of realise they already had. It is a real story. Like, I noticed, well, if that's the order, that makes sense because you're releasing them in order, right? Like, more the singles. Yeah. Yeah, there really is, like, a storyline. 
which I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if, well, I'm, I know that you guys are, are super clever with your songwriting, so I wouldn't have expected anything less, but it's like sometimes we write and we don't see what we've done until after we've done it. Exactly the same. We're not super clever. We're just, uh, in, in, we're, we're just, um, we're very good at um, editing ourselves yeah. to make it seem like we are. <laughs> and we make a lot of happy accidents as well. Yeah, I think, that. look, I think we're, we're, we, I don't know, we don't have a very f- fast rate of releasing stuff. We spend a long time until we think something's ready to be released. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is to do with just needing a lot of time to decide and understand and realize why we're making an album and what the actual overarching point of it is. You know, I think we just have to find that, uh, that sort of theme that we're working with or the emotional intention of the album. So, so with the first album, it took a long time to come together because I remember we were going in lots of, we were walking down little, it was like a maze, you know, we just kept walking down the wrong thing and coming to a dead end and having to walk back and go down a different route and mm. until we were like oh this is the album we're making we understand now what this is for and and with the first album it became the loved ones and it was about telling other people's stories and it revealed itself as this thing that was this open book of different people and different characters and, yeah. and we had to serve that but you know the minute we'd figured that out we like right okay now we know what to do and let's let's almost start from the beginning and just do it with that yeah. vision and the same thing happened with this this recent album. It's 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 one hundred percent a breakup album, and that was the purpose of it. Before we went to LA to start actually recording it in twenty twenty, we'd already figured out what it was, you know. So that was a really lovely thing. But it took two years to figure out what it was. And a breakup. And a breakup. <laughs> I, well, I'm now in a very, I'm, in a, I'm not, now in a very happy relationship, and um and and and, and the <laughs> when my relationship came to an end, and it was a horrible. It ended horribly and it was a, a very long eight years. So I was in that place where there was nothing I could do to distract myself from the misery of it. And mm-hmm. watching a film or listening to a song or doing anything you think might just distract your mind for a second, it's not, it, that wasn't enough of a force to, to cut through the sadness. It, it, everything reminded you of something. Everything was just not cutting down deeper than the surface level. Here's a real barrel of laughs. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, the only only thing to do at that point that makes you feel any kind of catharsis or, or is any kind of soothing balm is writing. structure of how you've done the verses so the before my life falls apart just as yours begins to start there is it's like it's like the sweet spot I don't well I don't know if this is how if, if this is what it's written about but like mm. is this just before your heart's broken yeah it's, it's, it's preempting that it's the calm before the storm just just before everything goes to shit you're preempting it but you're still in that place I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Breaking Bad Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, we're rewatching it, obviously, because we're in lockdown. And there's a there's a scene where he talks about the perfect time to die. So it's when he's got enough money, but before 
his family start to hate him. And he's like talking about, okay, well, it couldn't have been that time because I didn't have enough money, but it couldn't have been any time after that because then I had already fucked it up. So he's like condensing the timeline of what's happened down to literally like an afternoon of him watching TV. And he's like, that would have been my perfect time to die. And this song kind of reminded me of that. It's like finding, finding that balance. I love that. I love that that you've equated those two. I mean, it's, um, it, no, I mean, it's great. It's, it's very true. It's very much about being in that, you know, the relationship is still alive at that point, Mm. but it knows something bad's coming. I think that's the, why there's that sadness and there's that anger in the music, you know, and I, and I like to think that the bad thing does happen. You know, it's like almost happening is happening throughout the song. It's inevitable. You can feel the suspense. during the song yeah like exactly uh, this is I guess what we tried to do on the last song it's definitely what we've done on this one where we take each song as an acoustic guitar song or a piano song um, before it's had its arrangement and its colour and we say like what should this song sound like because this is what the song is about like for instance with Victoria Falls on The Loved Ones we were, the obvious thing is we should make it sound like water we should make the music sound like a water uh-huh. Uh-huh. so we were using lots of verbs and splashy things and making the thing just constantly cyclical and moving easy tiger for instance we Mm. were sort of like let's put it in this small contained room of paranoia and like the sound of like a clock ticking and 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 a door opening and closing and you know and and sirens outside and all this kind of we tried to create the feeling of exactly when the song was written and how you might imagine the person singing the song where they might be so how does it work so when you have a you have an idea and then if will maybe have the lyrics and you, you take it to nick and john and then you guys put it together it's how does never, it work it's never it's, I, we, we never have a formula which is annoying but probably <laughs> yeah. good because yeah. it, you know it us, it, whenever we never fall into any old traps like we always have to reinvent the wheel every time we we write and finish a song. I do think the reason we ultimately work as collaborators in the end is because we all equally have no idea what we're doing. Um, and, and we, and we all have to start from scratch every time we make any song. Yeah. There's no, we have no like cookie cutter way of, you know, Mm, here's how how we we do do it. it. More often than not, it's a song that either I've kind of written or kind of got halfway there, like Easy Time, for instance, or something like that. And then we'll spend ages trying to figure out how to actually translate it into the band. Yeah, or there'll be a song like, you know, Losing You, for instance, where, you know, that was a... Nick and I wrote that together. I think I had the lyrics already in a notebook, but we kind of just put it to music. Yeah. And then we... Years later. And then the years later, because we had (laughs) tried to arrange that song. It just suddenly felt like, oh, we're making a breakup album of Losing You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense again. Needs to be on this album. Mm. Yeah, and and we we very, very quickly figured out what to do with it. That's the the right way of saying it. It makes sense again. Like sometimes... Old songs suddenly you give them a new context and it's like oh suddenly this song is is the is exactly the song we need on this album yeah wow we've not seen that before people like, ask about songs like uh, light me up Great. or uh, you know please Eloise or you know when we were more sort of straightforward radio one band sort of back in 2013-14 people are like why haven't they been released properly yet and it's just it, we've always wanted to try and release those songs properly mm-hmm. but they haven't sat you know, in the cast of characters of the song for right, that interesting. album. And I do like the idea of um, doing a kind of Lost Songs sort of album where we just gather up all these songs. I think they're great songs. They just need a home.
going back to under under the skin. So when you got to the studio with this one in LA, was it uh, Andrew Silo that you did this one with? No, it wasn't actually. It was with Justin Raisin, who okay. um, right. he produced that and Easy Tiger and I've Got a Girl. He did mm-hmm. those three with us. Mm-hmm. Um, although I've Got a Girl and Under the Skin, to a certain extent, we sort of already kind of had prepared with Burke Reed, our old producer. So we were taking some songs to America that were kind of ready to go. And we just wanted to hear someone's fresh like take on how they'd be like kicked into the top corner. Is that your kind of process? Do you guys demo up and then kind of really get an idea before you go into the studio? I think we've been burnt before by going into like a recording studio situation with the producer and lots of money being spent and like and not being prepared thinking we'll be right. fine we'll get on the night we'll, we'll, we'll come out of the studio with something good but like there's always that thing of just like yeah but there's there's so much more we could have explored and mm. there's, there's, this could be so much better I'd say this again there's no formula same as yeah. the songwriting there's no like there's no you don't some, sometimes you just nail it and it's like oh that's done <laughs> and then sometimes it takes a lot longer well one of the the tracks that, that Andrew Starlow did actually produce were Losing You and, and Never Get to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And they were two songs that we did go in a bit with a bit more of a more of a loose idea of how we were going to produce those songs. Never Get to Heaven was a song we'd been playing very simply on the road. Um, but we never really demoed it or recorded it or anything. And you know how it is when you play a song live, it works. And then the minute you hear it recorded and played back, through some speakers you're like oh god this absolutely doesn't work Um, but there's something about the live setting that allows it to work and same with losing you we hadn't we hadn't even played that live we just had an idea of how we would do it and he was very good at just stopping us from adding anything too grand or trying to be too ambitious with what we were doing he was very keen on on saying you guys are great singers when you sing together Mm. if you do that that's a whole lot of room that's taken up you've got harmony singing there's you know i'm not going to let you cover it and stuff you know yeah and he quite rightly identified losing you as a song that there's quite a there's a poppy cheesy element in it somehow that's hidden amongst it that makes it quite catchy and quite memorable um and if we were to have gone too far with the production for that song and like pumped it up too much or tried to to put too much icing on the cake then it would have felt cheesy so he was he was very much encouraging of us doing as little yeah, as possible do, do and less and make the stuff that's there but just us sound really good what stuck with me was he said if you guys record this song like it was a song that well you just written and you brought into your bedroom where you've got like a drum kit set up and you've got your mates over and you've, yeah. you're playing the song for the first time and yeah. it's not any further it has never left the bedroom that's how this song will work and not be cheesy and how it will feel honest and mm. and cool somehow. That revelation of cool being cool is just honest. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. Oh, yeah. And I think that there is so much to say. And that's something that we've learned. We've gone in before where we've literally demoed songs like five, six, seven times and like explored them and rewritten them and all of this stuff. We've kind of found both the benefits and also the the, the downfalls of being too prepared. We're starting to learn that actually sometimes you've got to leave some of that magic for the performance for the studio. And like at the end of last year, we were in here writing and recording and stuff. And we got to the point where we were writing stuff and then recording it like straight off the bat, straight away, we'd we'd spend like two or three days on it. And that was great. But then right at the end of the year, we just decided to just do a song a day and just the demo, we couldn't spend more than an hour on it. Just get it down. Like I'd be recording, sitting down, playing bass. Actually, would be you know doing everything kind of all at once. And that 
I don't know, a bit, we kind of reconfigured after that because we then realised that we're songwriters. You learn every lesson you need to learn by doing that process you just yeah. described. And I suppose it can be summed up by one word, which is limitation. Sometimes I'm, I'm always a bit bemused as to how people were so productive in, you know, those decades like the 60s and 70s. Well, the Beatles did in two albums a year. Yeah, because they, they hadn't had... They had no opportunity to be confused or conflicted as to what avenue to go down. They had one avenue to go down and that was the one they were doing. You know, now that there are infinite options of how to make anything sound at any point, like, and really easily. And if you're an artist who has limited themselves to, you know, you play that instrument, you play that instrument, you play that instrument. And not just that, but, you know, you, the guitarist, you have that specific guitar every yeah. time you play guitar just that one guitar and it goes into that one amp and it goes through those pedals imagine how much relief that would be just to be completely limited to, to just specific ways of doing things yeah. and that is that kind of the that's sort of salvation for any artist that's struggling with finding their sound or or um or just sort of confused with what what kind of style of music they should be doing or why isn't it coming out Right, each time, you know, yeah. it's normally because you're in a sweet shop and there's just every fucking option you can you possibly conceive of. It's like you're never going to make a choice. Absolutely, that's a very, very good point. Uh, Izzy and I have talked about limitations a lot, and I think when we first started, we would kind of feel frustrated because we had so many limitations. We had a laptop and an interface, and what we didn't realize is that actually that meant that we had basically no limitations as you've just alluded to we had like one bass guitar one acoustic guitar and a couple of electric guitars and we couldn't play drums we didn't have a drummer we couldn't afford to pay a drummer to come on tour with us so yeah we we sort of we thought of other ways around those things that started to slowly without us realizing it become ingrained in our sound yeah uh, and that we still the now stuff you would have initially been like annoyed about why can't exactly. we get a drummer why can't we and then they became blessings even is he playing bass for yes. example is he's a guitar player or was a guitar player and we wanted a bigger sound live we we're like well we need the bass so what is he why don't you play bass and and she literally hasn't looked back. She's a bass player now. <laughs> um, and we also, we had this kick drum when we play live, which Archie plays with, with his foot, like with his heel. And, you know, it's basically for blues, just four on the floor, just giving it that beat. And um, our song, Superhuman, it's the what we've basically played that in our set every show we've done for the past three years. And we've tried to record that song so many times with different drum beats with you know a snare on 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 the second beat and everything and we've really struggled because we're used to that four on the floor we're used to what that does to us and to and and just to the song and then as soon as you try and build up into anything else we've been like oh my god turn turn it off yeah can i just interject and say i hate that feeling maybe more than any other feeling in the entire world is when you've you've recorded something and you just can't listen to it because you hate it so much we know exactly what you mean i can't imagine you guys have done that too many times right maybe you've done it oh mate (laughs) we we are we are doing that until it's right i have this thing where my phone will ping off i know there's like a mix coming i just feel my heart just drop Mm. like oh no it's arrived Like, it's for over years of doing this now, it's, I'm never like, oh my God, the mix has arrived. Yeah, I, I can't wait to listen to the <laughs> mix. It's going to be perfect straight away. <laughs> for a good amount of years now, we've been producing music and getting it mixed and getting it mastered and going through that whole process. And it's no less harrowing 
It's, it's just always a horrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> then you find someone like Andrew Salo, who, you know, he sounds like he just gets it. I've listened to, to a fair bit of the stuff, the big thief stuff that he's done, or, you know, working on tape mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He does seem to have a good ear for just getting what the song needs. Just to add a positive spin on, on, on what I just said, with Andrew, it was the track came in into the inbox and if it was from Andrew, it was like, oh, I can't wait to listen to this. Every every time he sent a mix through, he made the song feel like three times as good as it was feeling. Often it's just finding someone like him who understands, as you say, that it is about the song and it's not about, you know, how widely panned can I make that floor, Tom? No one cares. When you actually have a finished product, the only thing anyone's listening for is the song and the performance. You can get a great performance with a SM57 in your bedroom. Our best friend and producer, Michael, if you ask him and you're like, oh, what microphone's best? He always says the one that's closest. Right. And, and I like, like yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely beyond caring about sonic prowess. Like, I don't <laughs> care how... How, how, how good something sounds. I just, I just want to know that it makes me feel something and I like the song. a live version of Losing You in the forest somewhere. We'd, we'd film that video on the same day that we'd filmed the Under the Skin live video. So we did a, we did a day of filming live videos, basically. And, and the Losing You one, we were doing outside. And we'd found a really lovely spot to do it in. We had a great, like a, the full works camera crew and, and, a, and a great engineer who brought some really nice mics to mic us up and stuff. And it was just pissing with rain. And... Um, <laughs> The camera was fine, but um, he, the engineer couldn't put the microphones out in the rain because it would break the microphones. He just was like, I don't know what to do. I mean, so we were just like, you know what? We've done this before, we, which we had done on like those kind of cover videos we would do on Facebook, you know, back yeah. in the day. But we would just use our iPhones, go onto the, the voice, trusty voice memo. Voice yeah. Note, yeah. And make sure we all had jacket pockets. I mean, stick them in our jacket pockets for our vocals. Love and it. for our instrument, just I think I put mine just on my crotch on my stool, just like just behind the guitar. And um, I think John just put his phone in front of his drum kit. Mm. That's amazing. And it sounds people, so good. People, it sounds amazing <laughs> because <laughs> the fucking iPhone microphones are ridiculously good. I love that. I've never I've never thought of doing that. Oh, we're yeah, going to steal that idea. <laughs> I, I, I hope you don't mind. No, we're good. definitely going to steal that idea. But. Um, yeah, back to Under the Skin. So we've got um, a couple of questions that we've been asking everybody on our podcast. It's been really fun talking to you guys, by the way. Um, Izzy, why don't you ask the first question and I'll ask the second one. Very simple. I'll ask you both. Uh, do you think that you are more lyrically or musically driven? Uh, I think it should be both. It's both both, <laughs> it be both, both have exactly. to come together. A good lyric isn't a good lyric until it's got a good, good melody. Yeah, it has to be 50-50, doesn't it? 
I like that. I mean, personally, I probably prefer lyrics than you prefer music. I prefer melody, yeah. Um, but that's why we work together. That's why, that's why we work together, guys. You know what? I, I think if we were being brutally honest, we'd say the same. But we both put so much effort into both. But I, mm. think, I think that you're probably a bit more musically and I'm a bit more lyrically. Maybe. Yeah. I guess similar to you guys, we try not to have any rules about how we write yeah. songs. So it would be like, since you will have like a line and then we'll start. And then sometimes I'll have a thing on guitar or piano. But just as you guys say, they're both equally important. Um, mm. I will say totally. this much uh, about lyric and, and music. If you have music before lyrics, then it's an absolute pain in the ass trying to set lyrics to music. If you have lyrics before music, it's kind of better because then the lyric can at least guide where the melody is going to go and then it's done. But really the, the ultimate is, is when the two just sort of collide together at the same time. It's so rare. It's so rare. But when, when yeah. yes. You're so right yeah. though. When they come together, that's when you feel like you're kind of, I don't know, riding on some kind of When magical... you're on easy street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a kite in the wind that like gets a good lift you're like oh my god amazing genius um, after euphoria and then the rest of it is just utter misery <laughs> <laughs> Last question we've been asking everybody is three songwriters that you can steal their attributes as songwriters and put them into your into yourself. Who are the songwriters and what are the attributes? Three songwriters you wish you could steal attributes from and put into your own songwriting. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I reckon uh, we'd have the same answers probably. I probably would have the same answers, yeah. I want like... Um, Okay, yeah, like Pink's sass. You know, uh, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Brilliant. I want like I want like Bieber's raw promise. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, I, the the boring answer is probably Paul Simon for lyrics, McCartney for melody, and like I say, Stevie Wonder for like ability, scan and ability. Yeah, yeah, vocal ability. Holy shit! You nailed that in about yeah. ten seconds. And you all, you you agree? You both have the same answers. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, you guys, for coming on the show. We've had so much fun. To finish, here is our rendition of your beautiful song, Under the Skin. Before my voice gets burned out and you start scream and shout before my life falls apart just as yours begins to start before the shocks 
Under the skin Under the skin 